welcome back to the BAT podcast. We got a full house tonight. Howard, Randy, Zach, Alex, gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yes, good to be with all of you virtually again. I'm stoked to be back. I've missed a couple of these. I've been listening to you guys on the road and it's been great. And I've been trying to elbow my way back into the table. So uh, we're going to have some fun. No, uh, no impressive uh, car collectors for you to interview this time, Randy. I hope that's not too much of a disappointment. <laughs> Is that my rep now? Now I, I only show up if there's like some fancy person to talk to. No, yeah, would, thankfully, uh, there's nobody fancy on this call and Howard's the only collector among us. So, <laughs> Well, I'm ready to rap about what's on the site or I'm ready to rap about the... Um, Instagram breach. I'm ready to rap about all of it. Like, let's go. Can we kick it off with me asking you how it feels to be back in your Delta Integrale? Oh, that's a good spot. Uh, the Delta Integrale Evo 1 is running, which is the first noteworthy headline. Um, that thing's back at it. I blew up the engine. This is a, this is a car um i bought a number of years ago and drove it for a while drove it when we were in the other office in san francisco you guys saw it um it was out and about uh went to some cool events went to monterey one year did a whole bunch of fun stuff and then driving across town in sf randomly let go of the timing belt and smashed all the valves into the cylinders and uh or into the pistons and that thing was toast so anyway the engine got redone and it's back and uh it's awesome it's all cleaned up rebuilt the stock spec uh no good question hot hot walkers garage parts on there right yeah well that's that's the bill of goods i was sold that it had all kinds of hot walkers garage parts but uh those were kind of maybe some of the downfall uh before but now it's dialed in with uh um it got a, a different turbo put on it it got um I mean, man, it, we went all through everything. I think the cams are actually different than they were in that previous one. Obviously, the the uh, rotating assembly and the, the pistons are all new and different and, and better. Everything was sort of upgraded. So, yeah, I'll read you the whole spec sheet um, eventually. But it's it's running uh, real nice. I, I would appreciate the spec sheet, though my eyes will start to glaze over. I'm mostly curious what that translates into. What is it like to drive? How does it feel now that you have it back compared to how it used to feel? No, that I car has had a lot of uh, that car has had a few uh, ten thousand dollar oil changes, as they say. So I hope it's driving well. <laughs> Absolutely, it has. Dumb it down for me, Randy. What does it feel like when you hit the gas with your new hot engine? Uh, well, it's cool. I, I like cars from the 80s and 90s. So there's a lot of plastic. There's really good Recaro seats. And then this one has a turbo. So there's a boost component, right? The GTI is just sort of a flat power curve with no turbo. Uh, the R5 turbo Renault is like a crazy 930 turbo sort of boost curve. This thing is like sort of a smooth boost curve. The boost comes on gently, but then it really hustles because of the, the most fun part of the car is the is the all-wheel drive um, because it it actually sticks in the in a 930 or an R5 turbo. You're scared of what the rear end of the car is going to do. In a GTI, you go through a corner with the pedal flat, and it it you're you know you're steering all over the place because it's the handling is somewhat challenged. But th this car sticks, and it's got enough power. It's really it makes sense why it was one of the crazier uh, hatchbacks from call it 85 to 95 because there's enough power and there's enough grip that you can actually do some interesting things. So it's, it's really fun. You never drove that car, Zach? 
No, I've only sat, I think I've sat, sat shotgunning it once. Shotgun? Where? I don't even know where we were going. Going to buy burritos or, or uh, something. But uh, a couple guys in the office have driven that. You guys ought to drive it. It's a, it's a fun one. Well, Randy, one reason we haven't seen you uh, is you've been a busy guy traveling all around. You were recently uh, in Utah. Tell us about what was going on there. Yeah, so we had Greg Miller, um, formerly of Miller Motorsports Park in Utah and in a bunch of other automotive endeavors. He's a super cool dude, but um, they just opened a new Land Cruiser Heritage Museum in uh, Salt Lake City, right in town. And I got to go and speak at the opening and, and talk about cruisers and VAT and the cruiser market. And they have 115, I think it is, cruisers under the roof of this old hundred year old building, old metal foundry building. And it was killer. I took my son and we had a great time and, and went up in the mountains the day after and, and had a great time. But that, that, uh, that event, if you're even marginally interested in off-road vehicles or land cruisers, for sure, that place, I was like, it like took my breath away walking through there. I've never seen that many cruisers in one place. It was cool. What accounts for them collecting a bunch of land cruisers in Utah? Is it the, is it the terrain? Is it the family just ended up there and they like land cruisers? Seems a little bit, little bit curious as to why that is there. I would call it super random, right? Like why, on, why in the world is that there? And it comes down to this gentleman named uh, Greg Miller and his family, actually his father. You'd like this, Alex. He's a, uh, his dad was started out as uh, at the parts counter and then the parts manager at a Toyota dealer and then figured out how to buy a Toyota dealer in his native Utah and then buy another one 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 and, another one and built a sort of auto dealer empire with his, uh, with his family that now runs it. Um, Larry Miller was the, the senior and then now Greg and his uh, brother and family run this business and it's, uh, it's cool. And so he, he has awesome stories of like, driving around as a kid in an FJ 55 out in the Badlands, like on camp trips with his family. So there's, that's where it came from. And he started to sort of amass a bunch of cruisers and then um, did some, did some cool stuff in them. And they were kind of noteworthy and almost more museum pieces than still out on the road. So he just collected a bunch of them and made it, made it accessible to the public. So it's, it's really neat. So yeah. So I I was there and, and wrapped that up and then yeah, cruise back and, and uh, we've been jamming lists and all sorts of, interesting stuff on the site since then, you know? Yeah, no, we thought we'd um, primarily dedicate uh, this chat to, yeah, all of our favorite stuff that, that's on the site now. We were kind of uh, sitting around thinking, what, what can we talk about? And, and uh, it's kind of like all of, the, all of the best content is right out there in front of us. So uh, I'll kick it off. One of uh, my favorite cars on the site now is also uh, from one of my favorite uh, sellers and people in the car world. And that uh, is the Lancia Appia GTE Zagato being sold by Toli Aratunov. Uh, for those who don't know, he is, people joke about the most interesting man in the world. He, he's definitely uh, in the running for that. Um, he has been around cars uh, all his life. If I'm not mistaken, he drove um, uh, a Flaminia Zagato in the Targa Florio at, uh, at Daytona at Sebring in the early 60s, kind of in uh, right in the mix in the golden era, and he's still alive and well and doing a lot with cars. I think he was one of the founding members of uh, Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, just a super cool guy, has a bunch of cool cars. We are, are thrilled that uh, he's, uh, he's been around BAT. Rand, Randy would know better than me, but, but for, for a long time, maybe even since the early days, uh, this is one of the, the coolest 
uh, Zagato bodied Lancias uh, that I can think of. Uh, I have some personal experience uh, in these cars, totally drove this car in the Monterey Historics and way back when in the first Copper State. Um, he is the ultimate gearhead. I actually uh, was driving across the country with my dad about 10 years ago. We were in Omaha and he said, why don't we, I haven't seen Tolly in a while. Why don't we call up, calls him up. He said, Tolly, why don't you around for lunch tomorrow? We'll just turn left and head 400 miles due south to Tulsa. So that's what we did. Walked into Tolly's house uh, at probably 11.45 a.m. Uh, he's got like the local heat race on from the, from the monster truck event, uh, like on closed circuit television. So he's, uh, people say, say, uh, Petrol running through your your veins. I can't think of anyone that uh, embodies that more than him. So uh, you ought to check out his his uh, Appy Zagato. It's pretty neat. Wow, nice. that's a good one. And he had another car. He had an, another meaningful. What was it, Lancia that he sold, or what? What was the other car? I think it was wasn't it a three C Blime Zagato body. Yeah, yeah, it was a car that that he had owned for for many decades. Uh, uh, not the one that he had raced in the sixties and seventies, but but he's owned. He's always been a, a big Lancia guy and has owned a, a number of. Uh, of all these models. So, uh, you know, he, he's no stranger to BAT. He's in the comments. Uh, a, a guy that they, they, the old saying, uh, uh, you, you've forgotten more than I know. He, he is probably the, the number one, uh, embodiment of that. So, uh, he, he's chiming in. He's very active in the comments, telling stories, uh, talking about his car, everything else. So highly recommend checking out that comment thread. Yeah, it's great. And what I really like about him whenever he shows up is how much excitement it generates in other users, right? So even before he chimed in on that on that auction, there's all these people who can't wait to share their Tolly stories, right? Like he's been everywhere. Everyone knows him. Everyone seems to have an anecdote. Um, people like that are, are, you know, kind of the glue that holds the car community together. And it's just awesome to see all the, all the, all the, um, all the stories that people are recounting about running into him over the over decades of of um, uh, uh, of you know events that he was at. I love that. A lot of people know him, but I mean, who who but Howard on this deal and on our staff is like, oh yeah, I ate lunch at his house. You know, like, cruise by cruise by Tolly's house. Where is he? He's like in Oklahoma somewhere or something, Tulsa. right? I forget where he is. Tulsa. He, he's in like the Beverly Hills uh, uh, area of Tulsa. Super nice house. Just an awesome uh, area. I. Uh, uh, never been there before, but uh, I've been there now. Uh, the, the, the comments uh, thread on that listing is, is particularly amazing. And, and uh, talk about BAT community. There are guys in the back, hey, totally. I, you know, we, we had lunch in Italy in 93 before the Mila Milia and Serania. Do you remember that? He's right back. Oh, yeah, this and that. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, Howard, what kind of racing uh, is he doing in a car like that with an 1100cc V4? I'm sure it's about 70 horsepower. What, uh, what, uh, what kind of stuff? I mean, it's got harnesses in it and stuff. What, what, what's he doing? Is it road racing? Uh, I mean, I, he did like some rallies like the Copper State and he took it to the Monterey Historics. That's probably not a car. That, that's a car you would have vintage raced in the, in the 80s and 90s. Probably not, probably not today or you'd be, you'd be very, very slow and uncompetitive. But yeah, they were around, but he was like, if you go to a racing sports cars is a good site. If you're, if you're a dork like me and want to look up the, the full finishing grid of whatever race that happened 50 years ago, he was very admirably like driving old Lancias to, you know, 22nd overall at Sebring and Daytona and 63 and 64. So he was, uh, he was there doing it and was, uh, uh, was, was truly rubbing shoulders with, uh, with all the greats back then. Randy, you, you were fired up, uh, maybe Alex and Zach, but a few, a few cars we got, we were 
uh, we were chit chatting about cool uh, four by fours and and uh, uh, some of our favorite kind of FJs, Broncos, Scouts, Blazers, uh, of which there seems to be a almost never ending ending stream of, of really cool stuff uh, on offer. I mean, the four by four heat on the site right now is pretty strong. Arconic Rover, TLC modified 80 series. We've got swap blazer, stockish blazer. So certainly no shortage. Any favorites among them, Randy? Um, I mean, the the FJ80 on the site is really special. It's, um, you know, a full build by Jonathan Ward at TLC, not at Icon, but at TLC. TLC is like the company he had first where he was doing sort of more similar to um, OEM Toyota aesthetics, but then redoing drivetrains and that sort of thing, as opposed to Icon, which was like his full production aluminum body, diff different sort of vehicles that he's doing. So um, that one, I mean, a lot of people dream of having him come and, and uh, you know, build a car to spec, which is A, expensive and B, takes years. So to have one that's like one of his um on the site right now and like available to you in seven days is uh is pretty pretty wild people people are guessing what that thing's going to bid to um and it won't it, yeah it won't be cheap but uh it's uh that's a great great vehicle a lot of people love the 80 and then i i don't love the 80 for its factory drivetrain but you know he puts an ls in it and it just becomes a really pretty remarkable so anyway that thing's crazy We've got this crazy overlander thing on BAT premium, which I don't even, I haven't even looked at too deeply. I was psyched that somebody's selling it no reserve. And Alex, you were going into the, the fact that the cab on that was previously on a vehicle going around the world and really a sort of adventure, um, adventure type vehicle that's way out of the normal realm. Is that right, Alex? Yeah, a Titan. So it's a, it's a little bit of a confusing story on what exactly it is, but it's, um, it's a uh, it's a uh, uh, an overlanding kind of expedition rig that has this really cool kind of living quarters module popped onto the back of it. So, it's the chassis. Uh, uh, it's the chassis is a Titan, which is a, actually a civilian version of a military vehicle. There's apparently six wheel versions as well. This is the four wheel version, long wheelbase, diesel. Uh, cab up front, and then what the what this build is is. Um, has the kind of living quarters from uh, um, a man truck that was going all over the world. It's got really cool like wood wood paneled cabinetry and like wood floors, really interesting. And they, when that truck I think was in California, this man truck, it got wrecked and um, obviously couldn't be, be rebuilt and be legal in the US. So what they did was they took the living quarters off that and popped them onto this military, civilianized military chassis and built this rig that we've got on the site now and super cool looking, really cool features. Um, it's a pretty long and detailed write-up. You can really get caught up in some of the details, both in the description and in the photo gallery, um, getting a lot of kind of uh, unsurprisingly, a pretty excited reception from a lot of folks. Um, Don't forget know, the vids, man. The videos on that listing are so solid. He's got like seven videos. Final one is ride height adjustment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, I was, you literally took the words out of my mouth. Well, first of all, that car is, is in attendance at the Overland Expo West event uh, this weekend. So by the time this airs, that'll be over. But I'm sure some uh, bunch of BIT uh, members will have been there. But uh, yeah, the videos are amazing. The walkthrough video is basically like a, a, a Zillow real estate uh, uh, listing. Uh, the ride height adjustment with, with the remote, Zach. It's, it's, it's sheer entertainment. 
It's got this like like hydraulic motorcycle platform on the back that like lifts your motorcycle like 10 feet up off the ground. He's got a demonstration of that with a bike sitting on the back of it. It's like, I mean, it's like you say, Howard, it's like a house. It's a house rolling down the street. You know, it's got all the storage underneath. It's got like what looks to be a pretty complete kitchen in there. Um, it's really amazing. And actually my favorite feature is the, um, on one of the blinds on one of the windows in the living quarters, you can see the route that the European couple took before they smashed up their man truck. So you can see they were all over South America and Europe and a lot of North America, I think even part of Africa. So um, I love that they left that in there. You can see uh, at least where the living quarters portion has been. Yeah, no, if, if the basis of your adventure uh, uh, vehicle uh, uh, classifies as a medium tactical vehicle, uh, <laughs> then you're probably off on the right foot. But I know Randy mentioned the, the, the time and expense uh, for like a, a Jonathan Ward uh, icon or, or Land Cruiser. Uh, this thing reportedly is, is 700 grand to build. Um, I don't know if we have 700 grand in receipts, but um, I don't know what the, the, the weight is, but uh, in, in a similar fashion, this is a little more niche than, a, uh, than an FJ80 or a Bronco, but uh, if you want one of these things and you don't want to pay full retail or, or wait uh, X amount of years, uh, this is your chance to buy it in 10 days. So I, uh, I, think that's, I think that's fascinating across our whole website, right? I mean, people doing custom things some of them will go for many multiples of what people spent on it because you can't get another one and because you're you're basically cutting the wait list or it's like instant gratification and then but for a long time we always said you know like okay that guy's got 300 grand invested in a tri5 chevy i mean the thing's worth 40 grand right so like there's there's a really wild dynamic on which which vehicles will like live up to the hype of all the modification work and you know these blazers we've been seeing with ls's in them selling for 150 grand like over and over and over again like makes kind of blows my mind um and then the you know the coyote upgrade on a on broncos is bringing big money and i mean we've seen this stuff on resto mods and i love modified cars it's like my favorite thing um and that comes down to that overland vehicle and somebody pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into it is is crazy but we're going to watch the bids on that and people are going to people are going to uh pay for a lot of that i i assume you know the travel trailer that we sold a while back different stuff that is just one of a kind and really well done just goes really wild on vat so um it's kind of fun to watch but it's also kind of this this sorcery around like how do you know which ones are going to go to the moon and which ones aren't it's it's uh it makes for great spectating that's for sure um but uh but yeah anyway there's some wild exceptions to every rule it seems like nice i love the philosophical dilemma of of modifications versus upgrades i think that's a little bit what we're getting at here yeah i used to i used to early days of bat i'd, I'd say the worst two words that alex like has like like slapped me for saying right i would say things were tastefully modified which alex is like we will never say that in an auction because it's so subjective back when uh bat was sort of a show of one person and their opinions uh i could get away with saying that but once it's a once it's all of us contributing 
yeah, what is what is that? You know, what defines that? And now I see but that. You on, actually, I see that on other taste. auctions. I see that on other auctions, copycat auctions. They'll say tastefully modified, and I was like, dude, I used to say that ten years ago, and I don't say it anymore. What are you doing? You're not allowed to say that. Does but it trigger anyway. you though, Randy? Do you, I mean, obviously you key in on it, so maybe I was <laughs> too far off base. I feel really bad for stifling you, though, man. I'm, I'm I apologize for that. No, well, it's not Randy writing the auction listings, right? I may think some wheels are wonderful, and somebody may come in and be like what are you talking about but anyway it's, I, I think love. that term can be used appropriately the problem is it's just everybody with yosemite sam mud flaps that will say tastefully modified and now it's sort of lost all meaning <laughs> yes indeed. nobody ever says untastefully modified no one describes their car that yeah. way. kind of modified with no taste in mind <laughs> <laughs> everyone's thinking it <laughs> Oh, it comes out in the comments from time to time, but uh, but anyhow, I just think that's really funny. But yeah, the, the whole modified debate is, is fascinating, and we've had a bunch of bunch of vehicles across the site um, that always bring that to mind. But I love that we do that. I don't know if that's our calling card necessarily. I mean, we certainly have, you know, nut and bolt restored, perfect stock stock type stuff, which I also uh dig looking at but man when somebody knows how to set up a car or a truck it really makes me happy but you know what's what's interesting with with all these four by four builds is with with uh kind of vintage sports cars that you know have different engines or, or drivetrain modifications there's you know often a pretty lively debate of, is it right is it wrong i like it i don't like it but it seems to me with with a lot of these four by fours that you know whatever the engine choice is an, an ls or a a 350 or a coyote um, it seems the reception is almost universally positive, uh, whereas with with other stuff, you know, it can be somewhat uh, controversial. Um, but it seems with a lot of these scouts and blazers and FJs, like there's not too many people that are like, oh man, I, I wish that had that base motor. What, what a shame they they put they dropped the LS1 in. Uh, uh, so I, I've always thought that was an interesting kind of uh, uh, collector and and uh, uh, end user dynamic with those. Howard, yeah, I, I love that you're hitting on that, Howard, because I, I really see a big difference between the vintage truck market and engine modifications enhancing their usability. I mean, then you put a modern drivetrain in that and you can use it every day, just like a F-150 Platinum that's rolling off the lot at the Ford dealer. Unlike what I think we've seen, you know, in the past, what Randy was getting at with try fives that have 700 horsepower and have the word show car in them because that's really all you can do you can't you can't drive it do you think that's a sign of the like the times though like of right now because trucks are hot and they're in it's a phase man people are gonna chill out after i think it's instagram fueled man you, you gotta have a you gotta have shots of you in utah in your four by four or who are you really are you even an influencer Right. I wonder if like 10 years from now, people are going to look at it like all the cars that Zach's talking about where they're like, God, I wish people had left the left that Bronco alone. I wish there weren't so many 911s that are backdated with. I don't know. Sorry. Re records, record rip noise. Uh, Randy Nonenberg with his Chevy 350 in his FJ40 asking, are you even an influencer? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite thing. My favorite thing on this entire topic is like, I have some picture of, of my buddy and I like as young idiots, like at in Utah with the white FJ60 with the big wheels on it and all this stuff. And I showed it to some people in our office once and they're like, why don't you have a rooftop tent? 
And I was like, dude, they didn't even they didn't even make those. Those those weren't even a thing. Like what? Like what? What are you talking about? But it was judged against Instagram, so I was instant loser, instant no no quals. So anyway, but it's uh, anyway. Sorry, I'm kind of rolling on that one. But I I uh, I think I think it does make them more usable. You can argue that's a truck thing only, Zach. But the I mean that those are the same arguments everybody was making for Resto Mod 65, 66 Mustangs dropping five liter drivetrains in them for fuel injection is that, oh, now I can use it all the time and I can do all that sort of stuff. So I think sure, the whole pro touring movement, I totally get that. Also, I also measure myself against Instagram and that's why I have low self-esteem. So I'm right there. <laughs> with yeah. I, uh, I just think that, yeah, any, any modernization of, of vehicles uh, just sort of changes a little bit about their use case. But I think on the trucks, what we're seeing um, they made so many of those. I don't think anybody really gets mad when you, when you cut up, you know, a blazer and modify it, or when you cut up a pickup truck and modify it, or even an FJ40, because man, they made so many of them. I mean, if we're, if we're cutting up Tolly's Lancia and putting a Duratec in it or something, I think people would be like, what are you doing, dude? This is, this is not the way, you know, but, um, on these, uh, on these mega mass produced four by fours, there's, I think there's a lot of latitude for style and whatever you want to build it as. I mean, granted, that can go out of control uh, in other ways too, right? I mean, if you go to SEMA, you know, 70% of it is four-wheel drives and like all the big pickup trucks have 26-inch chrome wheels on them. It's, I mean, it's, it's, there, there are so many flavors in that, in that universe, but or I just at love, SEMA, I just love that we're getting the, what's that? At SEMA, they're actually two-wheel drive trucks uh, modified to look like four X4s. Yikes, yikes. Yeah, there's some good stuff and some bad stuff. But no, I guess what I'm getting at is that I just feel really psyched that we're getting some really individualized, interesting stuff that feels, I mean, the best thing for an auction is when it's a, it's kind of a one-of-a-kind item, you know? It's like there's not going to be another one tomorrow, so get after it because now's your moment, right? That's uh, <clears throat> That's the Apache speedboat, right? It's like, this is your time. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Just one other comment on vintage 4x4 drivetrain differences. I don't like, you can speak way better to this than I can, but are people nostalgic about Land Cruiser six cylinders in the same way they are with Alpha twin cams? Like, does driving that truck with the original six cylinder really, really give you that same experience as it does with sort of more vintage cars and vintage drivetrains? I honestly don't know because I don't drive that many vintage trucks. Uh, I mean, I, I, as a kid, I was like, forget six cylinder stock, right? You got to get a V8. You got to, you got to modify it. Right. But there, I mean, now I would go to that museum and you look at the stuff that was maintained as stock and you start to come around a little bit and you're like, you know what? Going 35 miles an hour max wasn't that bad of a life. You know, that was actually kind of nice. It's not what you wanted when you were 18, but you know, if you got, if you're, if you're using it for the original use case, which was on some ranch or, or mountainside, instead of trying to drive down the 405 at 80 miles an hour next to an S-Class, right? Like that's what people want an Icon Toyota for uh, is a modern use case. But so anyway, times change, things shift, but I actually appreciate it more now. I used to make super like bombastic, dumb statements. Like I'll never own a six cylinder Land Cruiser. I'll only drive a V8, right? I mean, we've all done that kind of stuff. And, and now I look back at myself and I was like, chill out, dude. Like, I don't know if there was a beautiful six cylinder truck parked in front of my house, would I go drive it across town? Of course, I'd love it, right? So anyway, we, we, uh, we get a lot of different types of stuff and they're all, they're all pretty fun, but I, I like individualism as well.
And Zach, am I just am I just uh, thinking what you're thinking is why are we not talking about Duramax powered Hummer H ones? I'm, I'm sure you have lots of thoughts on that. But but no, on, on the uh, on the curation side, we, we look at this stuff every week and and all the stuff that gets submitted. And you know, I, I think the uh, the tastefully modified window is very very large. But uh, we're always uh, looking at you know when has it gone too far? And it's uh, I mean I think. I mean, the whole point of SEMA is to go too far. It's the whole point to be on the on the show floor there. Um, I think we can all agree that the the, the wrong uh, wheel tire package is the single quickest way to kind of torpedo the whole uh, the whole thing, but maybe also the easiest to change. So um, that can be interesting. But uh, yeah, the stuff that makes it through the site uh, to the site hopefully is uh, is very well received. We think so, but but we definitely see the uh, the, the top of the funnel has uh, all sorts of stuff that. Uh, uh, from mild to wild. So uh, we'll have to have a, a, a curation mailbag, one of these episodes where we... Yeah, well said. Interior done by Jinko Jeans. Some of that gets gets across our desks. Hey, I resemble that remark. I had plenty of pairs of Jinkos in the 90s. <laughs> Is that why you have a flame steering wheel in the 912? Oh, man, totally. <laughs> I mean, I did all kinds of terrible things when I was a teenager, just like Randy, and wanted all kinds of terrible things. And now the older I get... I also find the kind of stock, the case for a stock uh, car to experience a car the way it was new, uh, more appealing than I ever did. So if you're, if you're deaf, remember that line? <laughs> oh man, you and Farah, I remember that well. A 912 should always be, you know, 70% of a 911. If you're deaf. <laughs> I didn't say that, he said that, right? I think right? he said that, but boy, did that, that it hit close to home. It yeah, I know you. Home. Oh man! After we recorded that and uh, and he played it, you were like, "Randy, that was rough." And I was, I was like, "Sorry, dude." We had like a little nine twelve sesh. It was a little. It was a little uh, abrasive. Well, it's rough because it's true. You take it personally because it's true. <laughs> oh man. Well, I have to say, every time we list uh, a 70 Plymouth Superbird, I, I fall more and more in love with them and think there's no car that's aging better uh, than that. We've got a, a neat one alive now. But uh, Alex, we, we know you're a big uh, ACD, Aubencore, Duesenberg guy. We've got um, maybe the first uh, Auburn 851 cab that we've ever had. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. That Randy, car has, that car has a blower on it. Tell us uh, what that is and, and uh, why you dig it. Randy, you got your timer ready? Three minutes on ACD. I do. I told Alex he gets three minutes to talk about ACD products. Otherwise, yeah, we're pulling his mic. And I actually want to talk about the crappier car because I like it even more in some ways. But uh, <laughs> there's two Auburns on the site. The uh, the Cabriolet is an amazing car. I mean, it's basically a boat tail speedster without the body, right? Cowl forward and powertrain's the same as, as a boat tail. Supercharged straight eight um, with a blower, outside pipes, two-speed Columbia rear end gorgeous art deco styling inside and out that's a late uh late auburn beautiful car uh well restored i think it was a um i think it was a acd um uh winner uh at um at one of the uh one of the national shows um super cool looking car um and you know a lot of performance for the time that's a 100 mile an hour car in the 1930s um but also pretty expensive during the depression uh, the other car, the other Auburn that we have, I kind of like more. It's like an old restoration, brown, brown, 70s restoration. It's a, it's a, um, an Auburn coupe from 1931. Uh, it's got the older uh, uh, 270 cubic inch straight eight. Um, that's a car, uh, or 270 cubic, yeah, 270 cubic inch, I think. Um, 
the the what we were talking about earlier is re relates to this a little bit in terms of um, driving a car uh, uh, and experiencing what it was like to drive the car in period. My kind of dream is to have an ACD car that I can drive from California back to the uh, National Auburn Court Duesenberg Club meet in in Indiana. Um, I was uh, I'm kind of building my my old Cord 810 to do that, but I think uh, the Cord probably won't make it. But I, a car like this Auburn, which is simpler, probably could make it. And with a two-speed rear end, you could drive at highway speeds, and it has you know 100 horsepower out of a flathead straight eight, so you could keep up with uh, with other cars. Um, I love the idea of of doing that, and I love the idea of kind of experiencing that car um, uh, the way it felt in 1931 when you had a, a you know it was a pretty high performance car for the period. Two Auburns currently live, and yet no Auburn model page on BAT. So maybe, maybe this wow. will be, maybe this will be the impetus to make that happen. Um, you know, we had talked about the uh, kind of cross shopping cars from from a certain year. We did 1967 a few episodes back. Uh, then me and Alex were chatting, and, and we thought uh, the next year could be 1931. Uh, I think that car you just talked about, Alex, the, the Brome uh, one, is a 31 car. Uh, as you know, for me, 31, uh, probably a, a Cord L29 takes the cake for me if, if, we're, if we're staying in the ACD uh, realm. But um, anyways, we, we, we need that Auburn model page. Maybe, maybe Monday morning, that'll be our first order of business. Yes, indeed. That's, uh, that's a smart move. I think we've actually maybe auctioned more Cords than Auburns, which is interesting. Um, no L29s yet, though, I don't think, Howard. Coming soon. That's even crappier than an A10812. <laughs> Beautiful car, but not much of a car. The All right, transition out of there. I'm, I'm pulling us out of the ACD. I love it. Actually, let me let me make a transition topic. I was shopping hot rods last night online, Alex, which you'll like. And I found a guy who made a hot rod out of a Ford five window, which you'll also like. But it was in the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Museum. For, it was part of that collection for some reason. Obviously, it's a Ford. It makes no sense. Maybe it was donated or maybe it sat there for no reason for a long time. Had original paint all over. Had original paint, green, black, two-tone. And then the guy made a rod out of it, which, uh, and now it's for sale. I thought the Auburn connection may mean you need to get in on this thing. But I'll, uh, I'll dig it up. That was on... Uh, the Jalopy Journal, they're classified as called the Ham. Uh, anyway, there's awesome cars there, and I was digging around there last night. Thought of you with that one. They have a bunch of non-ACD cars there, which is weird. They have like a Gullwing, and they have like Pierce Arrows. Some of it is like Indiana Connection. There are a bunch of other manufacturers in Indiana, but some of them, you're right, they're probably donations or random stuff. What was the motor in the Model A? Was it Model A? Was it a 31? Uh, it was, I don't think it was a 32. It would have been more money. I think it was a 30, 31, yeah. uh, or even a 30. No, it was, I think it was a 31, but those have the, the dumpy grill with it. So it had a 32 grill on it. Anyway, we can go deep on hot rod stuff, but I'll, I'll send you that link. That thing was sweet. Separate, um, separate pod topic. We can't go deep on, on hot rods right now. We can, but I'll see Zach and Howard fall asleep pretty quick. We gotta, we gotta like with me, with the Auburns, we gotta pull it back from hot rods before, uh, before half our team glazes over a little bit. Which I, I would just add, um, I have developed a weird uh, affinity in the last few years for 37 to 40 modified Ford coupes. Uh, nice. It's probably not a desire that's strong enough for me to actually go out and buy one, but like like three cars, like you know, 44 with a 350, 
uh, and some cool wheels. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with like the Mustang two uh, uh, front suspension. Oh wow! Wow! Like I just, uh, I don't know. Those, those have been speaking to me uh, uh, of late. So maybe I've just been doing this for way too long. But uh, that, that's what We're I got. We're teetering on the edge of rehashing the tastefully modified discussion. Oh yeah, Mustang two front end, man. That used to be in like the the classified ad for every hot rod. Hot, every hot rod had 350 slash 350 and a Mustang two front end. It didn't matter if it was a third, you know, any model Ford or a 57 Chevy or an anything. They all put that suspension in. Little tubular, just, little tubular AR, Randy, little tubular AR. Well, it gave front. you room for an engine. It gave you room for an engine and exhaust. You, you cut out the shock towers and put in this funny little low suspension. You can put whatever engine in you wanted, right? That's why power they did steering that. too. You get that power steering rack too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway, and those like the four by fours can go south the wheel tire package i feel those go south with uh gauges steering wheel and uh, upholstery that that's kind of the, that can be the undoing for uh uh too much personalization but uh yeah how many how many suburbans needed to die to get the rear bench into all of those modified hot rods <laughs> amazingly you guys may or may not know but yeah the, the hot setup for a decade was Mustang two front end and a Jag independent rear end. You put Ooh. inboard brakes and half shafts out to, and then you could have any width you want on your rear huge Mickey Thompson tires, right? So it, uh, anyway, then again, going way deep on hot rod stuff. I, I love this. Our, uh, our uh, new good guys hot rod association uh, connection is going to flourish with a whole bunch more hot rod talk. But I want to veer us back into some more listings on the site. We got to be surfing this together while we're doing it. Uh, you guys see that Cortina project sell? Why'd that thing sell for so much dough? I look to you as the Cortina expert, as an owner of one. Why do you think oh, it sold so, I thought, so well? I thought you guys were all over that thing. I just thought it sold like to Norway or something. Um, super interesting. Left-hand drive car with minimal rust in it. Old West Coast California project. I guess those don't exist anymore. We haven't listed a car like that. I mean, it was a uh, it was a Mark One. It was super original, it was super complete. It was uh, it, it was what it was. It was it was the real deal. Um, it was on the right side of the the preservation versus decay uh, spectrum, and it just seemed like a really honest uh, uh, example. And I think uh, uh, yeah, sold really fairly, but. Uh, Dude, no. I kind of want to have a slider on the site where you can slide it from one side is preservation and the other side is decay. Yeah, totally. You slide it across and it just goes like, oh no. And then you get all happy when you slide it back to the left. Preservation. Yeah, there's a, there's different categories there. But anyway, I thought that car was cool. Um, but, but I mean, the, the result the result was bananas. Like nobody, even in the comments, people were like, wow, these guys are going going 10 rounds for the, for the TKO on a on the bid and uh and it ended up what was it 50 grand 48 grand 50 grand for a, for a car that needed everything right i was like wow that's crazy i love those cars as you guys know but i uh i was pretty pretty amazed by that auction stellar was also fantastic knew a ton about the car on it providing additional photos so i could see how someone had a ton of confidence um buying buying that car uh, I love those cars, uh, and I, I, I was I couldn't couldn't tell whether you came. You thought it was too too expensive or too cheap, Randy. So you you thought it was uh, on the high side. I mean, it needs a freaking ton of work, but as you know very well, very hard to find a real one uh, for those of us who work on listing production. Lotus Cortinas strike fear into our hearts. Uh, we've had uh, 
withdraw fake ones. We've had months long rounds of battles to figure out if they're real or they're not real. Uh, that is one of the most terrifying cars to authenticate. Uh, so if, uh, if you've got one that's documented to be real, um, maybe you got to swoop it when you can. It goes well. Yeah, no, I, th I think you're absolutely right. And that one, that one was really, yeah. The, I mean, people were asking for like underside photos and that seller was like snaps right back and is like, here's six photos of the leaf spring hangers. I was watching that whole discussion. Nothing, um, nothing to hide. You got to be worried when you ask a Lotus Cortina owner for pictures of certain areas and then they're hesitant. That's like red flag city. <laughs> <laughs> he was not, he was, he was a uh, super forthcoming. So anyway, I, I love that we have a platform where people can like, you know, suss that stuff out. You can, you can do it. When was the last time you saw one of those for sale? You know, so good stuff. As many photos of the rear of the trunk hump as you want to see. My, my, uh, my call of the week, uh, another year that we could do, Alex, is 59. So we've got a, a 59 LeSabre convertible project that I think people are going to line up for when that, when that uh, counts down uh, next week, uh, this week by the time this airs. Uh, yeah, probably, yeah, uh, best year for, for big fins and, and Detroit, Mus uh, Detroit Americana, not mu before, before Muscle Call Era. Um, maybe not quite as, uh, as well loved as, uh, uh, as the caddies and Buicks, other Buicks that you could get in 59, but, uh, watch that LeSabre. I, th I think that's going to be, uh, uh, that's going to be going nuts. 59 is a lot of fun. There's interesting European stuff that year. There's, uh, obviously that was the peak of, yeah, tail fin design on all the manufacturers and totally out of control for a couple of them, um, before they reeled it back in. Um, and then, yeah, that's an unusual model. But yeah, 59 for me, I think, I think I actually go European because my favorite tail fins were like 55, 56. So I, by the time they went crazy, they kind of lost me and I, uh, I'd want to, I don't know, a, a, something sedate, like a, like a Jag or a, or a Benz or a Porsche or something like that. Okay. You want to talk, you want to talk 59, but European, we have a really amazing and and the ultimate find another one 59 auto union uh thousand sp coupe this thing is like a cross it kind of looks like a german thunderbird um also with some really neat uh euro fins on it uh if we're talking my favorite 59 cars i'd, I'd and you, you couldn't get things that are more uh uh, diametrically opposed, but that LeSabre and this 59 Auto Union are, are uh, would be a nice pair. I see so much Tiger Mark II in that Auto Union. I was looking at that thing the other day. It's really, really good looking. I uh, and it's not something I say about Auto Unions very. It's a two-stroke, isn't it? I think. Yeah, weird little engine in that thing, and I remember featuring some of those in the early days too. Those would pop up like a. They're always projects. The weird part about those is they're always projects because people people didn't fix them or they just underperformed and people stopped caring. And so they're, most of them are just a mess and takes a special type to restore one. And somebody, that one you're talking about, Howard, I think is like shiny and perfect, isn't it? Isn't it like done? It's the best one. Yeah. So seeing that come out is unusual. I'd say if you're, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, trolling for cars in, in the former East Germany and stuff. That may be a more normal thing to trip across, but uh, what's the location on that? I should look. Got a uh, Legends, Legends of the Autobahn trophy that comes with it. So it's one award. So yet. it's US. So it was at a legend show. So it's US for sure. I mean, that car in the US in any shape is crazy. Oh, it's, it's Malamute. It's at Malamute's museum. Oh, that's a Malamute car. I love that. Love that he's bringing that. Wonder what he's going to put in the spot of that one when that one goes. Last time I saw 
the illustrious Malamute, you know where it was? It was sitting inside, I shook his hand, sitting inside the FMC coach at the alumni gathering at Laguna. I went in there to get some shade, right? And he, he's like, Randy, how are you? And I was like, of course, the, the owner of the Malamute Auto Museum is inside the FMC, like, uh, like already here, like staked his claim. I don't know if he bid on that thing or not, but he said he loved it. He was, he was totally cool. I love that guy. I picture him in a captain's chair in there. Like, <laughs> he was actually on some sort of like sofa. Like that thing had all sorts of seating options. You could get a captain's chair or, or even better. Amazing. Yeah. Speaking uh, of, Howard called that the nicest one. And speaking of nicest one, my obsession this week is, I don't know if you guys have caught this one, but the 40,000 mile Geostorm GSI five speed. Are you up minute. on that? Is, is that on our website? I haven't oh, seen yeah. that. I think this is the nicest Geostorm left in existence. And it's, it's the one you want. It's the 1.8 with the twin cam. And that prompted me to also go deep. And now I'm hanging out on stormowners.com. You found your storm home on the web. They're probably seeing record web traffic spikes just from my IP address this week. But pretty amazing. They've got a bunch of info on how to prep it for spec racing. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was actually like a celebrity race series with these cars back in the day. Pretty strong. I love it, man. I'm laughing my head off. Do you guys remember anybody who drove one of those? Or did you ever drive one of those? I just remember them sort of around town. This was a little bit like the follow on to the, you know, Chevy Beretta or something. I mean, I don't know who was rolling in these things or, or yeah, where they were. Your the mom would buy you had... a 240SX. So you got a Geostorm GSI. Uh, we also had that weird, maybe weirdest moment in the history of the BAT office where the garage door was open and somebody drove a purple Geostorm into the office thinking we were a different office and everybody on our team turned around and was like, "Who's who bought a Geostorm? And a dude like got out and looked and was like, sorry, wrong place and split. And we were all, it was, it was like a Twilight Zone moment. Wow, that is great. Uh, I'd also point out Geo, another car lacking a model page for us. So, so we can add that to the to-do list for Monday. How many geos? How many geos have been listed, Howard? Oh, those tracker sellers are outraged. Uh, Zach, I had totally missed that. So this is uh, this is the first uh, time I'm being made aware of that storm. That is wonderful. Um, it, it's kind of like a, a cooler a, a cooler uh, alternative to a Pontiac Sunfire, right? Um, that's great. Wow. That, I'm, kind of, uh, I'm kind of. It's the driver Sunfire. It's based on the Isuzu. It's got the twin cam. Yeah, it's uh, it's got alloy wheels that are kind of cool looking. I'm like I I didn't know about this either, and I'm I appreciate you sending me this way, Zach. I uh, I really like it. My dad always wanted a Suzuki Swift GTI. That was like the thing that he he thought they were rocket ships. And he, he had one of those, Alex. My dad had one, and, and he got it, and he painted the rear uh, side windows so he could get commercial plates for downtown SF. Uh, <laughs> but I actually have real personal uh, connection and experience. Uh, with a swift so thank you for mentioning that did you get any, any seat time in that bad boy uh yeah i did i did get some seat time <laughs> that's amazing i my the only time i've ever been in a geo was what a metro three-cylinder that one of my high school buddies older sister had teal and i remember it was a manual and she would almost never shift it so she'd be driving down the road bouncing off the rev limiter in first gear that poor thing uh that, that's probably the more standard story for a geo and the whole production of, of the Geo Metro, all teal, right? Do they even make it and not teal? We've never listened to the Metro, have we? I think we've had a couple. 
We had a Yugo. We had the Edmonds Yugo. That's that's the closest connection I can remember. No, we've listed one that was like lowered. I, I didn't really know what was going on. It sold for sixteen hundred dollars. We aware? have had yeah the sixteen hundred dollars <laughs> slammed uh, Metro, and don't forget oh. about the LSI convertible. Oh uh, well, LSI convertible. Let's talk about that. But man, that that slammed one may have been a may have been a. Uh, I don't know how that snuck through, but yeah, <laughs> that, that ended up happening. That's some Friday <laughs> afternoon curation, maybe oh, after. Man. Pacifico. I need another brew. I need another brew before we talk about that one for sure. I mean, hey, while we're sitting here on on the on the podcast, I just got notification that the Lancia Delta that was being shipped via BAT shipping, easy and awesome on the website, just arrived at its destination. It has shown up. Awesome car. It's getting parked in Idaho until I can go out and ra- rendezvous with it. I love it. Fantastic. Less less than twenty four hours pickup to arrival, right? BAT shipping. Uh, he picked it up at 2 p.m. yesterday. Yeah, that's 26 hours door to door, dropped off. High fives. Let's go. But, but I guess the question for you now is when, when it breaks, who, who fixes it for you in, in Southern Idaho? That's what I got BAT shipping for. You got to ship it back to my guy in California. It's like, what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, anyway, that car, all wheel drive. We're going to see what, if we can have some fun maybe this winter. We'll see what happens out there. Who's there meeting it, Randy? Who's getting it off the off the truck? Uh, dropped it. I got a, a buddy there in a storage unit, and um, it's being picked up by a, a cool outfit in um, Sun Valley at the Sun Valley Auto Club. I don't know if you know those guys. They sell cars on BAT. I told them it was inbound, and they said, "Sweet, we got two cars to list on BAT." And I was like, "High fives! We got the we got the factory churn happening." I know so, those guys. Good, good guys. Sun Valley Auto Club. They they got some yeah, nice Shep out there and yeah, Mike and, Shepherd. They uh they have some cool stuff and they I want to store cars out there but man they're full they got they got a lot of business out there so we got a we got some other places to keep some cars out there but anyway great cars in uh that part of the country and it's cool that I mean yeah I was actually pretty surprised that it's not totally remote but BAT shipping was like yeah let's go let's do it so it was there quick all right well on the next episode you have to give us an update on on how that is bombing around Idaho uh so we've we've come full circle from Auburn's to geostorms and everything in between. That's what we're all about. So uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next week.